Welcome again to Riverway. We're so glad that you are here with us as we're kind of in between. We just wrapped up our series called Written on Our Hearts, and now we're starting a brand new series next week uh, entitled Make Your Marriage Awesome, and we're so excited about that. And uh, we want to say welcome to all of you that are here, and also welcome to those of you watching in our parent viewing room. And that's a great place as well to go. If you have little ones that get fussy during the service, you can take them right down the hallway past the donuts and coffee, and you'll find that room available where you can watch the service live with us. And so next week, like I said, we're so excited to kick off our annual marriage series. And you might say, Ryan, why in the world do you devote a month every single year to relationships? And simply the answer is that there's no other important relationship next to Jesus Christ in my mind when it comes to keeping the family together. I I feel like it's the first line of defense. And so oftentimes there are things we already know we just need to be reminded of again and again and again how we can do relationships better. So matter if you're dating or married or engaged or want to be any of those things, I know that this next series is going to be amazing. Uh, But today we wanted to talk about our role in this next series. Every single one of us can play a part. And today we're going to talk about what we can do to make heaven throw a party. You heard it right. What we can do to make heaven throw a party. And you might say to yourself, I didn't know that heaven had parties. And they absolutely do. And it might look a little different than what you're used to, but heaven certainly has a party. Often. And Jesus describes this in Luke chapter 15. And in just a minute, we're going to read this story of Jesus explaining to us how and why heaven throws a party. But it begins this way in Luke 15, verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, you know, if Jesus is teaching, my first thought who's hanging out to listen to him would not be tax collectors and sinners, right? Many of us would think, well, it's just the church-going folk that should be sitting around listening to Jesus. But Luke begins this way, telling us that tax collectors and sinners were there. Now, tax collectors were not a good group. They were essentially Jewish people who were hired by the Roman government to tax their own people to rip them off, take money, give money to the government. And so they were a hated group of people. In fact, they were so bad that um, the authors that wrote this actually put them into two categories away from sinners. They said tax collectors and sinners. We're not even going to lump them together. They're so bad. But what's so interesting about this and this is your first fill-in right in your notes, and right in your bulletin should be some message notes. You can grab those out, and you can fill in the blanks and take that with you today. Your first fill-in is this, is that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. People that were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. What an amazing thought. Check out verse 2. But the Pharisees, who were the religious rulers of that time, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Can you just kind of hear them? This man welcomes sinners and eats with them, right? Who does this guy think he is? I mean, if he is really who he says he is, he should not be hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. He should be hanging out with us good religious people. And these religious people, People had a very hard time with the mixed company that was going on. They didn't want the sinners there. They didn't want the tax collectors there. Why? Because they believed that religious things should just be for religious people. And that Jesus should only be kept for those who are jumping through all the right hoops, so to speak. Your next fill-in, the Pharisees believed 
that there is this chasm between the religious people and the sinners, and those two parties should never mix. Now, Jesus, who's on the scene, is taking all of the sin. He's getting ready to teach, and here come the tax collectors and the sinners, and I would imagine that they're kind of hanging out together because you kind of, you know, birds of a feather, you know, flock together. And then you've got the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they're kind of huddled together, and they're kind of muttering. And Jesus is taking all of this in, and I don't know if Jesus heard it or if he just knew that it was in their hearts or knew that they were uttering it. But when Jesus heard this, I believe that it struck a chord inside of him. Your next fill-in, it struck a chord in Jesus because it was obvious to him that the religious folks were the furthest away from understanding why he came in the first place. The religious folks were the furthest away from understanding why he came in the first place. And so after taking all this in and hearing what they were muttering, Jesus tells a story this way, and he uses this whole idea of a shepherd something that they were all very familiar with. And we pick it up in verse four, and Jesus says this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now, Jesus is giving this picture of the shepherd who has spent a whole lot of time with his flock, a whole lot of time taking care of his sheep and tending to their needs and feeding them and watching over them and protecting them from the wolves and, and, and other harm. He's spent much time, this shepherd has. And one day as he's going through his regular routine of counting, which good luck counting a herd of sheep, going through his counting, he realizes he's missing one. Now it's interesting. Jesus makes an assumption about everybody that's there. He says, wouldn't you leave the 99 and go after the one? The assumption wasn't that you just say, well, that one's gone. I'm just going to hang out with the 99. Jesus made this assumption that they would all leave the sheep that are already found and pay immediate attention to the one that was lost. Now, it doesn't take a rocket science to understand what Jesus was trying to communicate to everybody that was there. And it was this, that Jesus didn't come just for church people, did he? He didn't just come for church people. He didn't come to ignore the lost and focus on the found. In fact, he does the opposite. Your next fill-in. His focus is and has always been on those who are lost. Everyone say lost. Right? That's where his focus has always been. People that don't yet have a relationship with him or to go after those that used to have a relationship with him and have since walked away. People who need forgiveness. People who need to walk in new life and a new path and a new direction. Jesus said, that's why I came. And today, he is calling all of us, your next fill-in, to be like that shepherd, not the Pharisees. He's calling every single one of us today to be like that shepherd and not like the Pharisees. Why? Because the Pharisees 
had become so comfortable in being found that they no longer cared about those who were lost. Let me say that one more time because that was really good and there should have been like some hanky waving right there, right? Okay, so I'll, let me just say this one more time. The Pharisees had become so comfortable in being found that they no longer cared about those who were lost. What an amazing thought. They were so inward focused that at even the sight of the sinners and the tax collectors, they began to complain to one another as to why Jesus would allow them even to hang out with all of them. And if we are not careful, we can have that same complacency invade our hearts. Your next fill-in, we can become so comfortable in our foundness, which I don't think is a word, but I made it up, that we lose our urgency to go after those who are still lost. We can become so comfortable in our foundness that we lose our urgency to go after those who are still lost. And it's very, very easy for all of us, isn't it? To get in this routine. Because who doesn't like coming on a Sunday morning to a church in America somewhere? Especially one that gives you free donuts, right? Mind if I have a seat? Oh, sure. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Mm. Boy. That donut is legit, ma'am. <laughs> Being found has never tasted so good, right? I mean, this is great. We're all found, and here we are, and we take it in, and mm, excuse me. Man, chairs are okay. I mean, they're not, you know, the greatest, but <laughs> kind of nice lights and nice setup. Band was all right. Man, it's good. It's good being found, man. This is comfortable, right? Have you ever, have you ever been, like, driving along? This happened to me once, driving on the freeway. And I was following a guy who was going a little faster than he should, and I just thought, well, this is good, right? And this cop pulled out behind me and turned his lights on. And at first, I was like, oh, crap, right? Because, I mean, that's what you need. You know, your heart's in your throat. You're like, ah. So I pull over to the side of the road. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you pull over to the side of the road. And then he went past me and pulled over the guy in front of me. And I can't even tell you the relief. And my first thought was, thank you, Jesus. You know, just in case he had something to do with it. You know, I mean, I want to cover my bases, you know. But instantly, what comes to my mind is, it's too bad for him. Lucky I'm safe, right? You know, and for many of us, it's so easy to come sit in on a Sunday morning and eat our donuts and sip our coffee because we're found, and found feels good. And if we're not careful... That pharisaical attitude can creep in that says, at least I'm found. Stinks to be them, but at least I'm forgiven. At least I know I'm going to heaven, right? So let me ask you a question. Who left their comfortable field and their comfortable pen of sheep to come find you? Who was it? Who was it that reached out to you? 
Who was it that shared Christ with you? Who was it that invited you to church? So I'm going to have you do something really unique, and I don't know we've ever done this before in the history of Riverway Church. But I'm going to have you take just a couple minutes, and I want you to talk to the people around you, not just the person you came with. Form a little huddle, introduce yourselves. And I want each of you just 20 seconds. We're not going to take long in this, 20 seconds each. I want you to share about who it was that got out of their field and reached out to you. Now, if you're not a follower of Christ yet, or maybe you're here for the very first time, you're going, this is weird, right? Hang with me here. It gets weirder, <laughs> okay? <clears throat> but if you're, and honestly, if you're, if you're new like to this whole church thing, you can just share who invited you, something like that, right? You don't have to go into anything else. But I want us to take just a couple minutes, the people right around you, and talk about who it was that was instrumental in you being found. Let's do that right now, right now, right now. Right, just start talking right now. Turn around, introduce yourselves, talk to some people right now, real quick. Introduce yourselves. Okay, one more minute. Everyone share quick. Don't need tons of detail. Thirty seconds. Ten seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Everybody back? Everybody back? Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool to hear how other people are found? But here's an amazing thought. That none of us would be here if someone had not reached out to us. None of us would be here if someone hadn't left the comfort of their own field and their own pen to say, I'm going to care about more than who's found. I'm going to care about who's lost. Because this is the heart of God. Look at Luke 19.10. It says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the... What's that word? He came to seek and save the lost. 
It doesn't say he came to seek and save the found. Or once they're found, we're just going to hang out here and have a us four no more kind of party. Jesus said that while the found is gathered, I'm still always pursuing the one who's lost. And the question that I have for you today is who will you do that for? Who will you do that for? Your next fill-in, will you be willing to leave the comfort of your own religious bubble to invest, invite, and share your story with someone that you know? We say it a lot around here, invest, invite, and share your story. Invest in people's lives. Believe it or not, they need us to go after them. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody you go to school with. Maybe it's somebody whose, their kids are in the same daycare as yours. Or maybe they're in the same sporting event as yours. Maybe it's a family member or a relative. Will you allow God to use your life to reach a lost person and bring them into the fold, so to speak? You say, well, Ryan, how do I do it? Well, the truth is you've already been doing it in part. God has placed you on purpose where you are to be a light for him. And so you've already been investing in their lives. They've already seen a difference in your life. They've already heard maybe you talk about your faith or about where you go to church or what that means for your life. You've already been doing the investing part. And next would be the invite part. And next Sunday is going to be a great day to invite someone to church. Because as I said at the top of this, those that are dating, married, or want to be in any of those situations, I mean, we're going to get so much out of this thing. Even doing relationships and friendships, we're going to get so much out of it. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to come. Your friend will come for the first time, and they might be a little bit nervous, maybe like some of you are here today. And they're going to walk through the doors, and they're going to meet some of the most warm and friendly people that they've ever met. And then they're going to walk over and discover the most amazing donuts and coffee on planet Earth. And then to find out it's free, like, hello. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't seal the deal right there, right? I mean, my kids usually only come for the donuts. <laughs> I mean, that's, right? They check their kids into classes all over this place, and they walk in here, and they listen to the band crank up, and they think to themselves, wow, this is not my grandma's church, right? This is a little different. And then they're going to hear us talk about very practical and in a very humorous way how we can do relationships better and some real practical steps that all of us can take. And you know what's going to happen through the middle of it all? That God's Spirit is going to be at work in their hearts, drawing them unto him. Because believe it or not, God cares way more about your friends, coworkers, and family than we ever could. And his desire is that they would be found. And he's going to draw them unto himself, and they will experience by his grace, something maybe they've never experienced before, and they may just open their heart to exploring this whole God thing. And what if, because of your willingness to invest and invite, that there might be a window where you could share your story and how you were found, and what God has done in your life and in your family or in your relationships, and suddenly they open their hearts to God and find relationship with him, and their eternal destiny has changed forever all because you were willing to leave the comfort of your own pen and your own field. Here's the crazy cool part. 
Look at verse 5 again. It says, and when he finds it, the shepherd, remember, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls to his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Look what Jesus says. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. In other words, a big party. And I believe with a bit of irony and maybe a little bit of sarcasm turns to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and continues, there will be more rejoicing over one sinner than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Your next fill-in, you see all of heaven throws a party when a lost person is found by God. All of heaven throws a party, and I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if they do balloons in heaven. I don't know if they do banners like with a name. I don't know if they do a cake. I don't, I don't know what they do in heaven. But the Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing. Everyone there, all of heaven is rejoicing over one sinner who crosses that line of faith and says, yes, Jesus, I'm going to put my faith in you. But like all of us have experienced, it always takes someone to reach out. When we were youth pastors, we used to do really big nights, about three or four a year, where everybody could invite their friends to. And on this specific night, we had over 1,000 teenagers fill this auditorium as we gave a very clear presentation on how they could pass over from death to life and find relationship with Jesus and how it could change their life. And on that one night, we had nearly 300 teenagers stand up and say, yes, I want to make that kind of decision. And that following week, I mean, we were just like, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, I can't believe what God did and look what he's doing in people's hearts. And Thursday went by and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of that following week, as I sat in a staff meeting, one of our admins came in the room and said, Ryan, there's an urgent phone call from you from the high school. Can you take it? I said, sure, and went into the office and took it, and it was the principal of our high school. And he said, Ryan, today, this morning, on the way to school, we had a bus-on-vehicle collision, and there's fatalities of students involved. And I'm wondering if you'd come to the high school and if you'd be willing to just be available if any kids want to talk or if there's anybody that just needs some help kind of emotionally walking through this. Absolutely, I'll be right there. Got in my car, buzzed over to the high school, and as I got more details two girls that were driving to school that morning pulled out right in front of a bus. I don't know if they didn't see it or what, and that bus T-boned them. And the driver of that car was killed instantly. And as word began to spread and ripple across the high school hallways and classrooms, there was a weight that fell upon the school that day. They had lost a classmate and friends, and the other one was rushed to the hospital on life support. And I heard the name, it was, her name was Letitia that had died and they'd already notified family and family was already involved and that name did not mean anything to me at that time until one of our regular students walked into the office crying. And she said, Pastor Ryan, she said, Letitia was my friend, she was my good friend. She was just heartbroken and crying and she was trying to tell me something. I'm like, tell me. And she said, last Wednesday night, I invited Letitia to our service. And she was one of the people that stood up and gave her life to Jesus Christ. 
I said, you've got to be kidding me. No. And so after that, that afternoon, I went back to the office and we began to look through the salvation cards. A mass pile of 300 cards. And there it was, Letitia Crittenden, who had signed her salvation card that night. And I went to our videographers and our camera people. I said, we need to find a picture of her somewhere. And they began digging through everything. And, and so we had friends in there and saying, okay, this is what she looks like. And we're looking through all these until we finally came across this picture of Letitia at our event afterwards and eating ice cream. The joy evident on her face of a decision that she had just made that caused her sins to be wiped out and a new beginning with God to start. Can I tell you what an amazing yet devastating feeling that was? That just that following week as I did her funeral at our church and her mom and dad sat on the front row sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And we took her salvation card and we put it in a frame and I walked it down to that front row. And I gave it to her mom and dad. I said, I want you to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt where your daughter is spending eternity. All because one person reached out to her, never knowing that it was going to be the last presentation of a gospel message that she would ever hear. And yet God, in all of his mercy, was drawing Letitia unto himself. Because one person decided to lead the comfortability of their field and their peers to say, if God's heart is for the lost, my heart must be for the lost. And I'm gonna do whatever I can to reach those that need him. And so my question for you today as we close is what will you do with the one who's lost? the person or persons that God has put in your life and you know they don't have a relationship with God, will you continue to live life and focus on the found and the goodness of feeling found? Or will you leave your pen to reach out to someone new? The ushers are helping me real quick and they're gonna pass out just a little booklet of tickets that just look just like this. And all they are is really simple invites to our series that starts next week. And in just a moment, every single one of us, we're gonna pray over these tickets because these invites might be the start and the beginning of somebody's newfound journey with God. And so ushers, just as fast as humanly possible, we're just gonna pass these out. Just pass out a bunch to each row. And if you have extras, you can just leave them on the chair next to you. Maybe a couple other people could just jump up and help us pass those out real quick. I'm so glad that someone reached out to Letitia. Aren't you glad that someone cared enough to reach out to you? Aren't you glad for that? Then my desperate plea would be that it doesn't stop with you that this message must keep carrying on. As Jesus said, go into all the world and reach them all. 
And that's our heart's desire. It's to let as many people come to heaven with us as possible. And so what I want us to do is we're just gonna take 30 seconds and I'm gonna ask everyone if they would just close their eyes just for this time. Not that there's anything spiritual about closing your eyes. It just helps us focus right here in the moment. And I just want us to ask God to put some names and faces of people that we need to reach out to this week. Can we do that? Just 30 seconds and then we'll close together. You pray that prayer right now. God, show me who I need to reach out to. Let's do that right now. God, we are so grateful that you loved us enough to send someone our way to invest in us, to invite us, to share with us. And now, God, we want to do the same for others. And so would you ignite our hearts and create an urgency in us for those that are lost and that need your love and need your forgiveness the same way that all of us do. So as you have shown us names, I pray that you'd give us courage this week to reach out and to extend an invitation and put an invite card in their hand and to just simply say, would you come to church with me this weekend? And what we know, God, is that you're already working on people's hearts. You've already been preparing many of them to come next week. And now they just need an invitation. So God... Give us the courage to step out and to do that, to leave our own comfort of our own field and go after the one who needs you. And I pray that next week would be the beginning of many, many people that would say, yeah, I'm ready to open my heart to a relationship with God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen.